before we jump into our Bible study, I got a text here actually. Ooh, um, yay. From a listener, and they say this about a good deed day, or the good deed day we're talking about in your new section, Renee. Mm-hmm. Christ taught to do good every day. Wouldn't it be lovely lovely if the two billion plus Christians did that every day? But then, of course, most if not all major religions teach that. What does it prove? Doesn't look like most people care enough. Circumstances slash sin have made people self-centered and selfish. It's good to see a ray of light every so often. Indeed. So, is. oh... Really, really searing words there, because it really gets to the heart of... I kind of mentioned this earlier, like, oh, it'd be good if we could live this every day. But, of course, you know, we made the point, hey, it's good for us to make a formal event, to mm-hmm. come together. Like, these are good things. Mm-hmm. Like, we shouldn't say, like, oh, this is bad, yeah. because we should be doing it every day. But the point still stands. Yeah. That doing good is should be, for everyone, uh, a daily... Should a be a common occurrence. practice. Yeah. yeah, you know, to be generous, um, mm-hmm. to go out of your way for other people, you know, um... Uh, I believe oh, it's either in James or Timothy, one of the, one of those books towards the end of the Bible, one of the epistles. Uh, it's either an epistle of Paul, of Paul or one of the other disciples, where it says, you know, to to help the widows and to feed the poor and whatnot. Uh, this is true religion. Yeah, just this idea that you know, when we are following God, this will lead us to be upstanding people um in the sight of others to be generous people to be to be the kind of person that people think of and they're like oh wow this is a good person this is a kind person this is a generous person and let me say as well like you know uh as christians like in the world that we live in today there's lots of difference of opinion you know on moral issues um and you know as christians we kind of get painted as like because we have a difference of of opinion to some of you know the moral progression that's going on in our world um, uh, can be like, wow, these people are heartless or they're not inconsiderate or they don't care. But, you know, the power of your personal influence, you know, uh, when someone can see that you hold that opinion, uh, the opinion informed by the Bible, the opinion of truth, um, but simultaneously, like, you're a generous and loving person, that's when they start to they start to think. Yeah. And they start to consider and they're like, oh, maybe there's something different about this person. I can, yeah, just a test in my life, you know, when you have friends who aren't Christian, but mm. you show them that you're generous to them in spite of your differences, it's yeah. powerful. Exactly. And I think that as Christians, we have... There's a lot in the Bible that we we say we say we are people of the Bible, people of the mm. word. We follow the Bible. We um, and I guess in especially in a world where everyone can say things, there's a lot of noise. There's mm. a lot of noise on social media, um, and that just people saying a lot of things. But um, people really know who you are by your actions. Your actions yep. show what your values are. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, our actions, if we're um, investing in the in the community, if we are being selfless, if we are being generous, if we are sh- doing acts of loving kindness, and I love that I love that phrase, acts of loving kindness, be- mm. because you're doing it because it's coming from a loving heart. Yes. Um, yes. And so if you're doing all that, you're showing that you actually value people and that what you say, when you say you love people, you actually love them. Um, mm, and it's from a mm. genuine place. It's not from a manipulative or a self-seeking place. Self-seeking, it's, a, yes. it's, it's, mm. it's to serve others. So 
Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. Thank you for the text. And you know what? This actually fits in kind of with the the theme of our Bible study a little bit. You know, the point that they were making is, oh, look at you know what sin and selfishness has created. That uh, there needs to be concise efforts to be kind rather than just being kind every day. Uh, Renee, if you could go to me, uh, sorry, if you could go to in your Bible, <laughs> Genesis chapter six and verse five. Of course, we are conti- continuing on with our Bible study on the covenants, and I feel like what the the study has been doing over the last couple of weeks is kind of setting the scene for the need of a covenant. Uh, we talked uh, last week about you know the, the new covenant, the old covenant, how this how this works. But I feel like uh, this week, particularly in in today's study, it's a, it's about you know um, uh, yeah understanding uh you know the the context in which the covenant was needed mm. so let's go to genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 if you could read that for me now renee the lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil mm. Oh, actually, can you read verse six as well? Mm-hmm. So the Lord was sorry that he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Yeah. Oh, heavy stuff. So essentially, like the Bible is communicating here. This is, you know, in the time period of Noah, the fall has already happened. We spoke about this a little bit last week. The fall of man has already happened. They've been tempted. They've left God. And by this point, you know, man's been living on earth for a fair few generations. And by we get, by the time we get to Noah, um, it says here that the thoughts of man were continually evil all the time. This was almost, almost a thousand years into yeah. the earth's history. I mean, earth's life <laughs> of course back in this time that was only a couple generations because people yeah. people live for so long i mean people yeah they did <laughs> yeah, hundreds so, of years um but yeah so this is a, a fair bit it's interesting it's it's a very small part of the bible covering thousands of years of history sure. but the point that the bible is making you know the bible I, i've said this before the bible isn't an exhaustive history book the bible exists to show us the way that god has been working mm-hmm. in the world and that has you know it's very specific uh you know it, it kind of narrows the lens more and more you know into the jewish nation and this mm-hmm. is the kind of beginning of that here but we see that yeah by this point uh after you know couple thousand years of sin um which has spread over you know a fair few generations of people that the thoughts of man are continually evil Mm. all the time you know uh, and this is the context in which you know this is the story of noah uh in which the flood came we often you know we think about the flood and we're like oh so harsh Again, I, it kind of harkens back to what I was talking about in the in the previous in the previous section. Uh, in our in our new section, you know, the flood so harsh. God, how could you do this? How could you deliver a flood up to the earth? But um, we first have to consider the state that the world was in. We're talking about a place where essentially, like the world was, the, the humanity that lived on the world were destroying themselves. Mm. Um, you know, God doesn't put checks and balances in place to stop people living freely. Mm. Um, God is a God of liberty. Mm. Um, he is. He is. Ah, oh, I heard this. Uh, if I can think of the word, he's God is a God of um, provision. 
not prohibition. Mm. That's a Blair Lemke quote, our young <laughs> young adults director here in the North New South Wales Conference. God is a God of permission and provision, not a God of prohibition. God doesn't make rules um, to stop us from doing things um, just because we want to do it. God puts checks and balances in place for our best interest. And here we see a circumstance in which the thoughts of men were continually evil all the time. This means... You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. <laughs> Sorry, that snuck up on me a bit. I was, I was, I was, oh, you were on a roll. I was on a roll. Yeah, but essentially, like, yeah, we see a world here that's falling apart, that's destroying themselves. And I want to get a little bit of an idea of what this looks like, because at the same time, the world is very small at this time. Not uh, physically, like, not geographically small, but there are very few people living on the earth. Mm, and as opposed to, like, compared to now. Compared to now. And um, I want to just note the progression that's happened after after Adam and Eve sinned. And, you know, you read a book like Patriarchs and Prophets, and it talks about how Adam and Eve, they see the the, the leaves falling from the trees you know it's the first indication of death and how deeply sad and they were and how sad they wept Mm. you know because of the the sadness that was brought about i was seeing sin before them whereas today it's a common sight it's a common sight but we see that happening just over these first couple of chapters so let's start by going to genesis chapter 3 and verse 6 if you could read that for us The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Mm, So we see, we see here like this is the first sin. Um, And we see that this sin is, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this before. There's nothing moral or immoral about eating fruit, but rather God put this fruit in the garden to give the humans ability to choose him. Um, he gave them moral distinction so that they could have great liberty in their life, so that they could experience love, because love doesn't exist without choice. If there's no choice, then humanity would just be a bunch of automons, we'd just be... Just, you know, robots, essentially. But he gives them a choice. He gives them the ability to choose. Yeah, that's true love. And that that is true love. And <laughs> unfortunately, you know, Adam and Eve, they choose against God. Yeah. They choose sin. They choose to, you know, um, break that that bind between them and God. And sin comes into the world. And with sin comes death. And, of course, this isn't God pronouncing death on them. But rather that they've cut themselves off. They've, cho- they've, they've chosen against him. It's odd. It, we say, like, that's the thing. We, we say that, um, you know, we say that they chose against God. But for them, I think in that moment, in that moment, they thought, you know what? I still love God and God's great, but I want, she says that she wanted wisdom, which is Mm. how Satan Mm. often, he doesn't often present us with like evil. He, he gives us with the kind of not, you know, just kind of not what God commanded, but it's still, it's like good enough kind of thing I say. But it's something that we don't have. Yeah. And, and, and it's something that is, seems, um, morally noble to have. Almost, you know, I feel like... What do you mean? So, check it out. This is a thought that I've had for a while. There are very few people on Earth who can be 100% self-aware and be completely evil in their self-awareness, right? Most people who do evil things often do evil things for good intentions. Even the most evil people. 
Yeah. Like we look at. Like they know, have their reasons. They have their reasons. Yes. And, and their reasons, they've convinced themselves through mental gymnastics or whatever that their reasons are good. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the classic example of evil in the 20th century is Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Um, but Adolf Hitler's reason was like, oh, the world has. The, the whole point of the, the, the Nazi party, the Nationalist Socialist, was like, oh, the whole world has smashed us in World War One. They've put all these, these restrictions on us and we didn't even do anything. We just jumped in because, you know, uh, the Hungaro Empire, they were going to war, so it wasn't just, their fault. It's you know, what they're, it's they're just, no, we just we yeah, just okay. did it, and now we're getting blamed for it. So let's rise up and over and take over the world, mm. it, um, to, for you know, so that so that Germany can you know be strong. And of course, what came along with that was mm. terrible things, yeah, as well. Like you know, the but whole, for them, they were strengthening their nation, their country. Yeah, exactly, they were they were nationalists. That was the the, the party, the nationalists. They yeah. were like, yes. We are doing this for the greater good of Germany because yeah. we are so oppressed as a people. Yeah. Unfortunately, th- this is the thing is that that was their intention, um, which, you know, to be a nationalist, to say we want to better our country isn't a bad thing. There are many yeah. countries, as an Australian, I want our country to yeah. be better. I look at the yeah. state of politics at the moment. I look yeah. at the terrible things happening in Parliament House and I'm like, I want our country to be better. But, you know, the route which they took to achieve that was then to oppress others and invade every country around them. So, wasn't, wasn't good. No. Um, and we see this similar thing here. It's a, it's a somewhat noble cause of wanting wisdom and knowledge and to grow in your human experience, um, or to become like God. You can, there's some nobility in it, but ultimately, like, because they chose it, they ultimately chose against God. Yes. It didn't matter what their intentions were. Yes. They did the wrong thing. Yes. And that's the thing. Like, she, uh, uh, I think in the moment, it, it doesn't seem like a bad thing to just mm. eat, to want more wisdom. But mm. like you said, like behind that action is it is rebellion and against God. Yes. And yes. rebellion, despite how little it may seem, is still rebellion. Mm. Yeah, it's heavy. And so we're going to look at a few more verses here. Did you see this progression? Let's go to now uh, chapter 3, 11 to 13, if you could read that for us. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God said. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Mm. So here we see a progression from initially it's that, 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 uh, you know, lust of the eyes, it's covetousness, um, you know, that, that thing going on with Eve where she wants wisdom. And then now it progresses to, oh, you know, not taking responsibility, playing the blame game, um, from Adam and Eve. And it's, oh, there's this, this further progression of once sin has started, then it starts to, to, you know, everything becomes a lie and it becomes a struggle. And imagine like living in harmony and in, in a perfect world. And then for the first time in your life, you are like, there's this, there's this, what do you call that? There's, there's this break in your relationship. Yes. There's this divide mm-hmm. between Adam and Eve. And that, that would have been heartbreaking to be in mm. as well as to witness. I think God to yeah. see his creation turning on each other. These people whom he created in his image mm. now turn on each other and turn on God. Well, that's, you know, ultimately the, the effect of sin is that it causes a barrier between us and God and it causes a barrier between us and each other. Mm. Um, this is, yeah, it, it's affecting an ultimate sense. And then there's, you know, the, the symptoms of sin mm. that come along with that, da- uh, uh, 
pain and death and suffering, but it starts off with that 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 barrier that's created where our vulnerabilities we no longer want to share. Yeah. Um, but we continue on to now Genesis chapter four and verse five. If you can read that for us. Mm-hmm. Abel also brought a gift, the best of his firstborn uh, lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. Verse Mm. 5. Verse 5, yep. But he did not accept Cain and his gift, and this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Okay, so my Bible says here that his countenance fell, which Mm. I love. But yeah, looking dejected, and this is the first sparks of anger that we see in the Bible. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, you know, know, he's, he's... angry um he he wants to 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 take out you know he he wants to be angry over he feels that the miss he feels um that he's being treated terribly yeah um he needs to do something about it but it starts with this this anger that begins in his heart um but then we see a further progression if you can read verse eight for us one day cain suggested to his brother let's go out into the fields and while they were out in the field cain attacked his brother abel and killed him Ooh, heavy so here you know this is the first murder in the bible and again this is kind of it's really crazy because this is just the progression right it started so with fast, eating fruit like yeah this is the second generation yeah it started with eating fruit and then all of a sudden now it's uh you know killing your your sibling yeah. killing your brother yeah um But still, you know what I would say here? That we still see sin existing for a reason. The reason Cain did it is because of his jealousy of Abel. Mm. Um, But he feels like he's been hard done by. Mm. By God and by Abel, that oh they were better than me. Like he he had to you know yeah perform those mental gymnastics to justify to himself that this sin was okay. But then we see an even further progression when we go to Genesis four and verse nineteen. Mm-hmm. Lamech married two women. The first was Adar and the second was Zillah. Mm, so this is the first act of polygamy in the Bible, um, mm. and this just comes from Lamech. He's just like. I want to have two wives because I can. And, uh, you know, the Bible is very clear and it stands with polygamy and that is, it is a bad thing. But then furthermore, uh, we come to verse 23, if you can read that for us. One day Lamech said to his two wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who has wounded me. Oh, so just, you know, we're going to come back after this song, but essentially just, it almost, sin just becomes senseless. Mm. No reason. Heavy stuff here right now. Uh, we're going to listen to My Father's Well by Gungor. We'll come back with our Bible study right after this. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Ooh, that's a good clue. I don't know. That's a good clue. If you if you know the Bible, if you also know just general Christian history, you'll you'll know the answer. So give us a call. 1-800-324-843 uh, is the number to call. Where, where can they text us, Renee? They can text us on 0491-064-669. We do have a prize available. It is a book called Is Jesus Enough? Living in the Light of His Love by Dan Jackson. Amen. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is enough. But we're reading about some people who uh, back in their time... Um, 
probably didn't know him. Mm. Probably didn't consider him, unfortunately, because they are just, mate, they're just going off the rails. They're just going crazy. We talked about uh, Lemek before the song break there and how he's just like, you know, we have these people who it's like they're living somewhat righteous lives and then, you know, all of a sudden they make in, like with Adam and Eve, they're living perfectly in the Garden of Eden and then they eat the fruit and they, you know, leave the garden and then, but but we can go on to assume that they live somewhat righteous lives. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have Cain and Abel, they're bringing offerings to the Lord, righteous people, but then all of a sudden, you know, Cain kills Abel. But then we come to Lamech here and he's just straight up like, you know, I've got two, two, two girls on my side, two wives now, two honeys. <laughs> Classic example of too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Is not like, a good oh, thing. One wife is amazing. Why not two? So why? No, my dude. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> let's not do let's that. Let's stop. Let's stop. <laughs> um, but furthermore, then he's just like, oh, Guys, my wife, he's bragging to them in poetic form, uh, as the, the Bible writes it. Um, he says, oh, you know, women, uh, and Zilla, hear my voice, uh, wives of Lamech. He, th- he referenced himself in the first third person. He thought he was a big deal. So. A bit cringe, isn't it? <laughs> a bit cringe. Not very based. Um, he's like, listen to my speech. For I killed a man for wounding me, for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. So he's like, oh, listen, any problem that comes up in my life, you know, I'm a big dude and I'm really cool because I have a couple, couple wives and, uh, you know, I'll just kill people for it. Yeah. The person didn't even, yeah. Hmm. You know, the world was small enough at the time that, you know, society kind of functioned very uh, Lord of the Flies-esque. Mm. The people, you know, they're just in small communities and they yeah. take out personal justice. Yeah. Uh, they create their own rules and, you know, uh, but yeah, we're seeing not, not good things here. You know, this chapter in the Bible is then, uh, actually, no, these verses, uh, sorry, are followed by verse 25 and 26. Actually, can you read that for us? Sure. Verse 25 and 26. Uh, chapter four? Yeah. Adam had sexual relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth, for she said, God has granted me another son in place of Abel, whom Cain killed. When Seth grew up, he had a son named and named him Enosh. At that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. Mm. So we see here there's this group Cain's descendants who are living in polygamy and murdering each other and just not doing great things. Also, you know, you have to think about how small these community was, communities were. This guy that Lamech attacked was most definitely one of his relatives. Um, and it's just super messed up. Mm. But then he has a new son named Seth. And it's at this time, there's a reinstitution of the worship of God. The Bible then goes on in the next chapter to give a genealogy, um, talking about, you know, the, essentially, yeah, the genealogy of, of Seth. And that brings us all the way down to Noah's time. And so there's two groups of people that have essentially formed because of this. Um, there's basically those who are, you know, uh, living in complete sin and complete rejection and rebellion to God. And then there are those who are following him. And that kind of brings us to uh, chapter 6 and verse 1. If you could start reading that for us, Renee. Then people began to multiply on the earth, and the daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women and took took any they wanted as their wives. The Lord said, my spirit will not put up with these humans for such a long time, for they are not only moral flesh, uh, for they are on- only moral, mortal flesh. 
Mm. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Mm, good stuff. And uh, actually, yeah, no, that's good. So um, I just wanted to quickly uh, just use a little bit of time here to clear up this this initial beginning to chapter six. People have read this before and they've read uh, the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they took them as wives um, and they you know made offspring and people have viewed that and the, there's a word uh, ascribed to it called the, the Nephilim mm. and the idea there is essentially somehow people have come to the conclusion that angels you know had sexual relations with you know uh, earthly women and then that created in verse four and five because it talks about you know uh, verse four it talks about giants on the earth and those days um who were you know mighty men of renown but you know just from reading the previous chapter you can see clearly that that's not the case essentially what's happening is there's two groups of people mm. there's a group of people who are worshiping and following god there's a group of people who aren't and those who are worshiping and following god then intermarry with those who aren't the sons of god mingle with the daughters of men um you know and it says that there are giants on the earth in that days because everyone was a giant you know this was before the degradation of of sin on the human body like it was happening in a slow period over that time you know and even in fact um people up to this you know if you read through the genealogy in chapter five it's all about you know how people live to 900 years old and then finally god's like oh people won't live that long and now there will be a decline on the physicality of humanity um but yeah, no, uh, these sons of God and daughters of men, they all intermix and intermingle. And what this creates then is a, is a circumstance where instead of the light being shown and shone to the sons of men, rather, um, darkness is, is, is being, uh, sorry, to the daughters of men and to their family, uh, darkness is being, uh, you know, uh, is overwhelming light in the terms of the lives of the sons of God. And what that then creates is the circumstance in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 that we read earlier. Uh, if you could read that for us again, Renee. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. It was consistently and totally evil. So this is the thoughts of men. This is the imaginations of men. And then that leads to, you know, its ultimate conclusion, if you could read verse 11 for us. Now God saw the earth had become corrupt and filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on the earth was corrupt. So now, essentially, the earth that God is looking at here is one of complete corruption, of hurt, of pain, of sadness. You know, we experience mm. these things today. Corruption, violence. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we have the benefit in the, in the days that we're living in, that we have such a large population, and that, you know, uh, this amazing thing called Christianity mm. exists. And, 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 you know, just this general standard of morality around the world compared to this time um, is that, yeah, we, we witness good and we witness bad. But you got to think about a world in which it's just evil all the time. You know, we talked earlier today about the story the abdullah family and how they had experienced you know such terrible pain evil and pain you know because they lost four kids in in you know due to a drunk driver and we see here this is the world in which they're living here evil pain and there needs to be some kind of you know justice some kind of reckoning some kind of change needs to happen on the human race is going to essentially destroy themselves we're going to pick this up tomorrow oh actually no we're gonna we have a pre-record for tomorrow because we don't have any power in the studio but we're gonna pick this up later this week you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different it is now time for Question of the day. 
Okay, so this question, I, ha- I have this question, and it was mm. brought to me by my teens at church, the, the teenager group, and they asked me, how do I know if I'm breaking the Sabbath? Oh, okay, good question. So, how do I know if I'm breaking the Sabbath? That's a fantastic question to ask because, you know, me and you, Renee, uh, we are Seventh-day Adventists, we are Sabbath-keeping Christians, and I think it would be good to know, you know, how, what does it mean to break the Sabbath? Because that's very... Uh, you know, language that is used in the Bible is particularly in Jesus' time. They accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. Um, but I feel like the way in which we know if we're breaking the Sabbath is that we know what to do when we're keeping the Sabbath. Oh, okay. That's so a good perspective. let's just go to the commandment itself. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, the Bible says this. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the Sabbath is the seventh day of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So, let's just run through here some of the points that the Bible makes about keeping it. Because I feel like if we're just doing the things that we're, like, if we if we don't do the things that we're supposed to do on the Sabbath, then we're breaking it anyway. So, mm-hmm. let's, let's start with the first word given here, remember. The Sabbath is a day of remembrance. It's, it's, it's a day of particular focus on God. Um, that's what it's like supposed to be, like in its foundation, remembering the Sabbath because it harkens back to creation. It gives the reason here. Um, is is remembering God. Of course, we on the Sabbath, we, know, we not only remember that God is our creator, but when you read about it in Deuteronomy 5, it makes the point that you remember the Sabbath because of how God has delivered you from Egypt. So you don't remember the Sabbath not only because he's the creator, but also because he's the redeemer. Mm. So you spend that time remembering him, focusing on him during the Sabbath day. But then it goes on to make the point, uh, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. In it you shall do no work. And then it says, you, nor, you know, your son, daughter, male servant, female servant, cattle or strangers in the new gate. So it makes the point that neither do you work nor cause others to work. So this is, you know, a common thing on Sabbath is that uh, not only do you not go and work yourself, but then you don't go and buy and sell on mm. the Sabbath as well. You know, um, I don't think it, personally it's not, you know, an appropriate thing. You know, that's why a lot of people prepare for the Sabbath, you know, mm. so they don't have to fill their car up on the Sabbath. They don't have to go to Woolies on the Sabbath. They don't have to, uh, yeah, do, mm. do the groceries because they're, they're prepared because they don't want to... Um, sell, you know, they don't want to work themselves or cause others to work. Mm. Sabbath is supposed to be almost a missionary evangelistic thing that Mm. you not only experience it yourself, but then you try and give that experience to others by not causing them to work. Uh, Furthermore, it makes the point about resting. That that work, you know, because people can make the point like, oh, yeah, okay, so I don't go and get paid. I don't pay anyone. But, you know, I'm just going to like, you know, fix my roof. On Sabbath day, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna uh, put up a put up a wall in my house. I'm gonna paint uh, paint the floorboards. I, I don't know what people do, polish the floorboards. Mm. Uh, but the Sabbath also, you know, the commandment here advises against that as well. That no, this is a time of rest. 
Uh, and ultimately, what this culminates in is the situation that we get where we spend time at church with one another, mm. remembering God, um, you know, not working, not causing others to work, and coming together and resting in Him. So, yeah, yeah. if you want to you know how to not break the Sabbath, we'll just, you know, read Exodus 20 and keep it. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.